Hey there guys, Alex Oaks here for Classic Camera Revival and this is our May episode. Now this time we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. Now originally my plan for this episode was to do some live recording at a recent Toronto Film Shooters meetup for Worldwide Pinhole Day hosted by Burlington Camera. However, my handheld recorder decided once again to eat the card. I need to learn not to be turning it off and on while recording. Thankfully, however, I still have some chance to put an episode together for you guys, so let's get going. Coming to you live from Toronto, Canada, this is the Classic Camera Revival. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you certainly will after listening to our show. Okay, guys, we're back. So, let's talk about pinholes. Pinhole photography is not something we've discussed here on Classic Camera Revival before. And you know what? That's all right. Um, there's a great podcast out there called The Lensless Podcast, and I'll be sure to put a entry to that one in our episode notes that you can definitely listen to. But decided, since we like to, you know, branch off every so often, that we're going to do a bit of a talk about pinholes here. Now, pinhole cameras and pinhole photography as a whole means that you're not actually using a lens you're instead using a pinhole and it basically means that everything and anything can be a camera and I literally mean everything the idea behind it comes way way back before photography even started with the camera obscura that is a darkened room with a single hole to the outside and then through that hole projected onto the opposing wall is the image from the outside but you know, upside down because physics. And from there, they could easily copy the uh, the images onto a medium. And pinhole cameras work exactly the same way, where light flows in through a pinhole and onto a light-sensitive medium, whether it be darkroom paper, direct positive paper, film, anything really. And that means that, yes, anything can really be a camera. And that showed perfectly in a camera created by event planner and host James McFarlane, who appeared on this show way back, episode four in our first season on APS. Um, he works for Burlington Camera and helped arrange for that, um, arrange for Burlington Camera to host the Spring Toronto Film Shooters meet, which fell on Worldwide Pinhole Day. Now, the reason they did this is, well, A, Worldwide Pinhole Day, and secondly, Burlington Camera is this year celebrating their 60th anniversary in business as a family-owned and operated business in Burlington, Ontario, and a favorite store among the Classic Camera Revival team. So, he got the inspiration to prove the point that anything can be a pinhole, by using Chinese takeout containers. And no, they shoot neither ramen nor JPEG. Instead, it is just that. It's a small takeout container that he simply filled with um, a sheet of cut-down Ilford multi-grade photo paper. And uh, it's a single-use camera, so you basically have a pin taped to it with gaffer tape. You poke the pin, you give it some exposure time, and you put the gaff tape that held the pin onto it over the pinhole. You take it into your darkroom, and you develop it in a tray. It's that simple. Then you can just scan the piece, 
and hopefully we'll have some examples of those um, images in our episode notes um, for your viewing pleasure. But yeah, no, they looked really fun and they just basically made a whole whack of these one-time use cameras. Now, going from single-use cameras to um, a properly built pinhole camera, I'm going to turn the mic briefly over to John Meadow, who's going to explain the camera that he had along at the meet. And it's John here talking about a Canadian-made pinhole camera. This is one that I got off of eBay recently. Uh, the listing is called Pinhole Camera 6x6 Cherry, and the seller is spelt F-R-A-N-C-U-Z-0-1. And I was hoping to try and build something for Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day. That didn't happen. I sort of got partway through. And so I decided to buy this. The cost, and, and being a Canadian, it's nice to buy Canadian gear. They don't get the chance all that often. And so for $77.50, so it's not the cheapest uh, camera in the world, I get a pretty well-built uh, pinhole camera. Like the description would indicate it's made of a very nicely finished cherry all the the metal uh, fittings are brass it comes with a pinhole that is approximately f-150 so if you thought that uh, alex's 175 was fairly fast for a uh, pinhole camera f-150 is pretty fast indeed and it takes 120 film so medium format film and it shoots a 6 by 6 negative. So if you do the math, that gives the equivalent of a 30 millimeter lens. And a 30 millimeter lens on 6 by 6 is very, very wide. One of these years, I wish I could get a Hasselblad SWC that has the 30 millimeter super wide lens in it, but I don't have that kind of money. So this is as close as I'm going to get. Um, I've been very happy with the images I've got. It loads fairly easily. It, it's pretty It's pretty low tech. There's a hole in the back where you uh, just wind and you watch, watch for the numbers through the little porthole, just like they do in the old days. And the, uh, the shutter is uh, just a, a little piece of wood on a pivot. You, uh, you pull it that out of the way and then for your shot and then you put it uh, back down. If there was one thing I wish this camera had is like because it's so relatively fast like f150 when I was shooting uh, at the uh, pinhole photography day it was a bright sunny day and I was shooting with uh, Fuji Neopan across which is you know favored film by many pinhole photographers and because it was so bright I was getting exposures like of two seconds which is actually sort of short um, I'm sort of tempted maybe at some point I might do some uh, modifications on this camera and if I could get an external shutter to put over it I might uh, take that approach but it uh, it does work you just have to pay attention I found the film wind is a little on the stiff side it does work and what you can do is you can at between shots you can loosen the back a little bit there are a couple of screws that hold it in place loosen the back and then that makes it easier to uh, to turn the film and then 
you uh, tighten up again for the next shot. It's fairly tight this way on purpose, I think, because the uh, the maker of the of the camera really wanted to get the film flatness uh, properly taken care of to give the sharpest image possible. And uh, these images are decently sharp. Of course, the way a pinhole camera works, it's never going to be absolutely sharp. But uh, this isn't bad at all. And until I finish my other uh, pinhole camera project, this will be the, uh, the one that I'll use. Thank you for that, John. And... Um Having seen the images online on the Toronto Film Shooters Facebook group, the images out of it are absolutely spectacular. Now, Pinhole and me don't exactly get along. I've now shot Pinhole a grand total of twice. Um, and because I don't shoot Pinhole that often, I decided that it would probably be best if I didn't invest in an actual Pinhole camera, but rather pick up a Pinhole adapter. Now few years back I picked up one by a company called Rising for my Pentax 645 and I went out there and I shot it and I really didn't like what I got in fact it took me a long time to even finish off the roll of 15 so when I sold my Pentax 645 the adapter went with it so coming up on the event this year I thought you know what I'm going to try it again and just, you know, throw myself into it. And I went to Burlington Camera to go get one for my Mamiya M645. But they didn't have one. But they did have one in the Nikon F mount. So I thought, hey, you know what? Let's give it a shot. This time I got the wide angle version of it. And it's in the Nikon F mount. And it gives me a pinhole of about F175. So in the grand scheme of pinholes, that's really not that small. So I got it and I figured, you know what, of all my cameras that I could put it on and I wouldn't weep if it wrecked it would be my Nikon F90. The thing cost me 30 bucks. If it breaks, I'll either not replace it or just replace it with another one. Maybe get like an F90X or an N90S or one of the more advanced version. But you know what, it worked. And this time around, I was actually incredibly pleased with the results. Now, I wasn't the only one there shooting with a rising pinhole adapter. James Lee had one on his Pentax 6.7, and hopefully we can get some of his images onto our episode notes. We also had longtime Toronto Film, Shooters mem Toronto Film Shooter member Mark, Mark there shooting it on his digital camera. And having seen the images that he was getting on his digital camera made me look much more favorably on it. The trouble is, is that I only got a handful of images that I really, really liked. I think four in total. And the thing is, those four, I basically abandoned my usual shooting style, which is very much leading lines, you know, wide angle, get distance, lots of architecture. The ones that really worked when I got abstract. I got down, I got close into my subjects, and just really used the wide-angle nature of this uh, adapter and the pinhole to exaggerate the world around. Now, because it is just a pinhole, there's, there's no glass, there's no plastic, there's nothing, there is no lens element at all, lensless, essentially. So the images are soft, little bit out of focus, very dreamlike, and to add to that, I shot it all on Fomapan 100, developed in D76. So, 
Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't 100% happy with it, but I was a lot happier with it than I have been in the past. So maybe over the course of the rest of this year, I might take it out one or two more times, you know, play around with it, try faster films, slower films. And then, you know what, maybe next year in the lead up to um, Worldwide Pinhole Day, I might actually invest in a proper pinhole camera. So... I'm not quite converted on pinhole, but I'm definitely a lot closer than I was before. This is John again, and now I'm going to introduce James Lee, and he's going to talk about his experience with pinhole. Hey gang, it's uh, James Lee here from the uh, CCR. Hope you guys are doing great. Just wanted to uh, share with you my um, uh, experience shooting pinhole. So basically, one time at Bandcamp, I shot pinhole for the first time, uh, none, other, none other than on the uh, World Pinhole Day. Uh, so it was actually really kind of cool. I popped my pinhole cherry, and I just want to share that experience with you. So uh, a little bit about uh, you know pinhole photography is really cool for me um, as uh, somebody that's never done it before. So I did a little bit of research and found out a few things about how to... Um, how to make a pinhole adapter for my Pentax 67.2 and there's a was a really cool YouTube videos out there about uh, using a body cap and cutting a hole in it and then using a pop can um, and covering the hole and then punching punching the pop can the aluminum uh, with a uh, a tiny little uh, uh, pin to create your uh, your your hole. Um, it was really kind of cool. I was going to do that. I was all prepared to do that. And then lo and behold, my good friend Joan at uh, Burlington Camera uh, uh, brought in a bunch of pinhole adapters for World Pinhole Days. So um, for less than $20, $19.99, in fact, I was able to acquire a, uh, a pinhole uh, adapter for my Pentax 67.2. Um, and I loved it. It was really cool to shoot pinhole photography. So for pinhole, um, World Pinhole Day, uh, Alex, as uh, you guys all know, Alex, Alex, um, uh, Alex Laux uh, organized a, a great uh, uh, Toronto Film Shooters uh, meetup uh, at Burlington Camera. Uh, we even rented a, uh, a truck to uh, um, develop some, uh, some, sheets in, uh, in homemade Chinese uh, container um, uh, pinhole cameras that was really kind of cool. But uh, I'm really just focusing on my experience um, uh, shooting pinhole for the first time. It was really cool. It was new to me. Um, I downloaded um, uh, a pinhole uh, uh, app on my iPhone called Pinhole Assist that really helped me with exposures and that sort of thing. It was a really cool app that allowed me to put in all of the specs of my pinhole adapter, which was um, f201 so extremely small hole uh, angle of view I believe was 67 millimeters and what I did find out in my research what um, what determines the actual uh, angle of view uh, for the pinhole is the distance from the hole to the actual film plane so that was kind of cool and I guess if you um, play around with that you can probably change your uh, uh, your angles of view and thereby I guess changing focal length um, to a certain degree if you will or at least the same similar concept even though the, the, it's not going to make your image appear any closer like a, a telephoto lens or anything like that would but I found the experience quite enjoyable um, one of the cool things about shooting with the Pentax 67 shooting pinhole with it uh, is that um, I was actually able to see a very faint view of the image uh, through the viewfinder which was really cool what I did was I, I put my obviously my eye up to the uh, 
the viewfinder and then I kind of covered everything with my hands and eliminated as many reflections as possible and I could see a faint outline of the image uh, and what I found actually was my uh, my the camera meter uh, in my Pentax was actually registering um, exposure uh, calculations and they were pretty much um, inaccurate to about three stops um, however the pinhole assist um, app uh, was bang on with exposures it was really really cool um, I really enjoyed it I was averaging about uh, anywhere from one to three second exposures depending on the lighting conditions um, what I found uh, to, to make it um, uh, a bit more of an enjoyable experience or if you're going to be doing pinhole um, for the first time, uh, find a bright sunny day with um, if you have some clouds in the sky for some definition, things like that. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up with really, really long exposures. And uh, I found that, uh, you know, doing it on a bright sunny day was really, really helpful. Uh, it's really cool to have some other pinhole shooters, obviously, with you as well. I got asked a lot of questions when people saw me walking around with a camera with no lens on it. Today, hey, your lens cap's on. I'm like, no, it's not. That's my lensless camera. So that was really cool. Um, in terms of film choice, I um, I kept things simple because I um, I had not shot pinhole before that day. So I uh, dipped into my stash of uh, Acros 100, and the reason I chose Acros, and the reason why a lot of pinhole shooters really love Fuji Acros, is because. Uh, it has no reciprocity failure uh, characteristics to deal with or any extra calculations. One of the cool things, though, while we're on this subject is um, the Pinhole Assist app does have a whole database of various films and their reciprocity curves. Uh, so they will calculate exposure uh, times for you, accounting for the reciprocity failure of the particular film that you're using. So... I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I did it because um, I honestly have never truly been attracted to the whole pinhole thing. Um, and, you know, just because I guess I was never really interested in it. So it was really cool for me to get out there with a bunch of folks, have some fun. And I was really pleased with the uh, uh, the images that, uh, that I got. And um, you know what? I really recommend uh, it's something that every film photographer should try. Um, any photographer, uh, for that matter, digital or otherwise, um, I, I think it's really cool because it teaches you a lot about the principles of photography before we had lenses and SLRs and, and rangefinders and all that sort of thing. It's really cool that how an innocent discovery of light passing through, or at least the rumor is that light passing through tiny holes in a tent um, uh, at night and campers noticed that uh, the images were projected onto the other wall of the tent uh, and hence bearing uh, born into the whole camera obscura and that sort of thing which is really really cool that's all i really have to say on the subject today i really recommend that you go out give it a try go buy yourself a 20 dollar pinhole adapter get yourself a roll of film a tripod go have some fun go find a nice sunny day grab a couple friends get out there and shoot some pinhole so before I move on to the next part of the episode, I would like to give a huge thank you to James McFarlane and Tyler March from Burlington Camera, who helped plan and execute the um, Spring Toronto Film Shooters Meetup. It is much appreciated as someone who is usually in the driver's seats of these events, being able to, you know, step back, take a break, and let other people drive the bus makes me feel so much better that this community has become so, so vibrant over the course of its life. Um, also like to thank um, 
Joan and Rich, the owners of Burlington Camera, for letting us use their parking lot on a Sunday when the store is closed. And to Burlington Camera's neighbors, J.C. Bagels, who provided not only bagels, but coffee for the group when we got there. Because no good Toronto Film Shooters meetups doesn't start without coffee. And of course, we all ended the day at the Queen's Head Pub for a pint. Now, um, for the next part of the episode, I would like to read a few letters that we have received. Now, the trouble is we can't always do this live because we record our episode in batches and I've been locked out of our email account. So I'd like to read a couple of letters that were from 2018, both pertaining to our, um, our uh, November episode, which is on um, lenses. Um, the first one comes from Simon Forrester, who um, reads, Hi guys, I dropped into this week's podcast to listen to you talk about lenses, and I thought I'd let you know um, that when it comes to Minolta lenses, the term PG and PF are not specifically related to coatings, although they may differ. A PF lens, P equals 5 and f equals 6. So that means if you have a Rockor PF lens, it has five groups in six elements, whereas a PG lens has five groups and seven elements. The above works with standard lenses and the system also applies to other lenses such as the Minolta Telerock or QF200 f3.5, which is a four-group lens with six elements, Q being quad. Um, they dropped the group element naming for later MD Rockors. Um, the similar system is used on the Olympus OM lenses when you see a G Suico and an F Suico. So thank you, Simon. That's really great to know, and uh, we appreciate the email. Um, the second one comes from Ian Fleming, um, who also, um, in regards to our November 2018 episode, I've had I've had the hopeless inkjet color cast problems, so I'm going back to printing via silver with the Intrepid Enlarger, which is from our friends at Intrepid Camera Company. They've essentially taken their Intrepid camera and turned it into an enlarger, because why not? Um, I still have my 35mm enlarger, but my medium format, large format ones were given away after a house move. I can relate to your Epson scanning experience. I find Epson scan pretty good. I've silver fast too, which is good, but as you say, clunky. Great podcast, folks. I'm no longer on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram only, and Flickr. Regards, Ian Fleming. So thank you very much to the both of you for those letters. Again, I will try to be a little more responsive on emails from now on, now that I have not only it linked back onto my phone, but onto a browser as well, so I can quickly get back to you. Um, so yeah, if you've emailed us and I haven't gotten back to you, it's because I haven't had access to the account. Thankfully, there were only a couple in there. So again, my apologies. Honestly, the best way to get in touch with us at Classic Camera Revival is send us a message through Facebook. I always check those or you can send us a direct message through Twitter. But again, Facebook 100%, I will always respond to messages on there. Um, that's it for me. Uh, my name's Alex Lokes. I'm signing out for now, and we'll see you later this month.